This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi guys, welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast, Every Step Along the Way. So in today's pod, we'll discuss the result versus Accrington, a string of club announcements, some potential new incomings, along with your fans' questions, not to mention a very tricky quiz. Okay then, so this is the uh, normal point. I'd welcome everybody to the pod, but uh, for a very unique first time, uh, we're all sat in Dan's house. It's 10 to 1 in the morning on the, well, I was going to say Wednesday. Technically, I guess it's Thursday. Um, And uh, we've (laughs) just spent the last five hours, was it, Dan, coming back from Accrington? An hour and a half journey. It's just. Yeah, we, um, do you want to tell everyone what happened? In, in a very short, I mean, that, uh, well, basically Andy's recorded some, uh, o- well, audio and video content uh, content for it. And um, we were literally ribs hurting, almost crying in the fact that we ended up at Manchester Airport. So would you like to fill everybody in <laughs> as to why you took three hours to do a one and a half hour journey? <laughs> uh, Roadworks. And <laughs> we we totally ignored the multiple warnings on the motorway uh, for the fact that the road that we needed to get home was actually closed. And so we, we obviously the Royal week, because it wasn't just me driving, it was we, <laughs> uh, totally ignored them, carried on going until it got to the point where we had to get off the motorway because it was closed and it just diverted us into the airport. It was at the point, it was at the point where the road was, the three lanes read T1, T2, T3. <laughs> that we, that we sort of went, uh, which, which, way, which one do we want to go? Uh, Andy very quickly grabbed his phone, had a look and decided that, yes, uh, Corfu. So Terminal 2, <laughs> Corfu. <laughs> Oh, mate, we, we we were literally crying, weren't we? It was yeah. just comedic value. And we spent the whole day, well, I'll say the whole day, we, we met up about four o'clock and been, obviously been to, of course, Accrington. Now, um, I mean, kind of kicking straight off at the game, I suppose. I mean, it we, well, we, we missed the kickoff because once again, it took too long to get to Accrington. Um, I'm, I'm only joking, Dan. So 
yeah, we missed about <laughs> what was it six minutes? It wasn't much more than that. I don't think. I don't think it was that long. So we we missed a few minutes. Um, we missed two of their goals. Uh, fun enough, we missed the only goals of the game, which is just so <laughs> that, poor, But that's because. <laughs> Andy can't read the sign that says all of these items are arrived for. Yeah, uh, yeah. So just we, we'll get onto the pod properly in a sec. But um, yeah, we all went to the chippy before, and it's a good job we did, considering we, we didn't have any time to get anything when we got there. Um, we walk into a chip shop and says, "If you would like these items, please order it at the counter before everything else." So me and Dan go up. We order, um, you know, Andy's third one, and. Uh, decides to then order something off the menu that he should have told them about 10 minutes prior before we started eating our food. So, yeah, basically it's all Andy's fault. Uh, and from what you know, what we saw when we did eventually get there, um, yeah, at the end of the day, it was a bit of a turgid match. So, yeah, let, let's kind of crack straight on with Accrington. Um, now, I mean, the first half was, a. to be fair, the whole game was a bit of a non-event. Um I don't really remember an awful lot about the first half in terms of any highlights. I think Baker's free kick and also Timon's kind of power driver at the very end of that half was pretty much the highlights of that first half, wasn't it, guys? I, I might be remembering that wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's quite accurate. Yeah, uh, I think DiMaggio was quite lively once. He was buzzing yeah. around, getting involved. Um, Baker, without being... Excellent, seems to you know he's in decent form. Um, Timon was busy on the left. Like I say, them them two had the two efforts as well. Other than that, I think that the highlight was um, Jacob Brown's shot that was going further away from goal than where he started. Um, yeah, that was sort of like yeah, I think he tried. To, Tried to make out to Demarzio, it was, it was just a well-hit cross. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't get my head on that. <laughs> I thought what was quite interesting, uh, Andy, I'm not sure if you really noticed, but, I mean, Baker was okay, but I think the player that really struggled tonight was um, actually uh, Laurent, I think, or Lawrence, whatever you want to call him. Uh, we still haven't figured that we one told out. You, Josh Laurent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but, yeah, he, he really struggled tonight, didn't he? He, he couldn't put a pass correct he was he was trying you know he didn't go hiding that's the one bit of credit you can give him um, yeah he's, he's he struggled quite a bit and obviously he's he's in a new team he's obviously knows one or two players in the team but he's still probably trying to get to terms with everything he doesn't fully know how Michael O'Neill wants to play and that's what pre-season's for it's obviously learning how a new system plays and how what the goals are for the season and how everything should be playing properly yeah and I think a couple of things that we we didn't learn we already knew from last season was that Bonham and Fox are out of the depth unfortunately um you know we, we had Jack Clark on our side um of the pitch quite a lot during that game and from where we were sitting it was very evident that he was getting frustrated with Bonham um you know, I think he wanted shorter passing you know build the play up from the back and then it wasn't happening and Clark was visibly and orderly you know annoyed by it um, you know, one thing I'd say about Clark is he was marshalling the young players. You could constantly see him talking to them. And he's only a young lad himself, but it's like, you know, him, he was solid all night. Flint, again, people go, oh, we've got, you know, really old centre-backs. Flint did not miss a single trick at the back. He was pretty solid. I don't remember seeing much of Jags. I thought he was just... I remember a couple of misplaced passes, but again, you're going to get that preseason. Um, Timon's just Timon. 
the midfield we've already kind of discussed in, in the main, but I think Dan was right. You know, Wright Phillips was the shining light, really. Uh, Jacob linked up well. Second half, you know, with, with the actual kind of, you know, players that came in, Tyrese didn't have much time to do very much. He had a couple of moments to try and get into the box, but I just think it was one of it, them games when just that final bit of creativity just wasn't there for me. Yeah, I think Ty looks a lot fitter, a lot sharper than he did last season. There's, yeah, there's like visibly you can see there's he's a different a difference to him. And then I think he was looking like there was a couple of times where there was one where he let the ball run past him and then spun off the defender, didn't he? Looking for the ball from Brown. And I think he just got you know, the pass from Brown was just a bit, I think slightly over hit into the wing, which sort of took him a bit wider than he wanted to. But it's yeah. nice that he was looking at looking to do them kind of things. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like he's got a bit more confidence in himself now, it feels. Well, we spotted a couple of moments, didn't we? So the first half, you mentioned this, Dan, uh, next to me, and um, there was a few moments where Timon was trying to cross the ball in and there was no front post runner. It was like they're all being marked by defenders and no one was making a run. And I think maybe that is where we are missing that clinical target yeah. man, Fletcher mould, basically, is, is kind no, of what we're missing. No striker's instinct in there, was there? No, there really wasn't. And then when, when Tyrese, second half towards the end, got into the box at the side he tries to cross the ball it wasn't the best of crosses in fairness but you know he's tried to cross the ball and again there's no one making a run so we, we need to we will come on to transfers but we know from that game we need to really pull our socks up because i know there's a lot of abuse online already we've seen comments about o'neill out already and it's oh i understand it's the people with the thoughts from last season and from their perspective, they may not have thought the court game was very well, a very good game. They may have gone tonight and thought, well, that was a little rubbish. Yes, it was, but, you know, that's that's, that's by the by. Um, and I think it's just people have made their minds up on him, and it's the same as the the Tony Peel these days. People have made their minds up, and it's not going to change. Um, and, you know, they're fully entitled to their opinion. I just think let's just give him at least chance to get these strikers in with some money that we've got coming our way. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, like we've already said, you know, pre-season a couple of weeks ago, if it doesn't work out when he's brought his own men in and, you know, we have a bad season, OK, I'm on board with maybe looking in, in a different direction. But I think to be calling for the manager's head after two or three friendlies, um, you know, where he's changed effectively 11 players during a game, I think it's a bit short-sighted personally. But that's my opinion. doesn't make me right. It's just an opinion. So, did any of you guys, did you get any more positives out of the game? Um, I, I don't think there was an awful lot of positives, to be honest, but I think that probably covers it, unless you've got anything else I've missed. Um, Jordan Thompson played well. Yeah, Thompson did, yeah. Controlled yeah. the midfield a bit, didn't he? He just put himself yeah. about, kicking a few players, yeah. He, we, I said to you, didn't I? I said, he's, he doesn't give you 10 out of 10 performances, but he doesn't give you 5 out of 10 performances. He is a steady 7. And I think you need somebody like I, at least one player like I in your midfield, don't you? Who's just a steady seven, seven and a half out of ten every week. You know what you're going to get. And like I say, he does. I, I can't remember a bad. I can't remember a bad game he's had for Stoke. I can't remember ever sitting there and thinking, "Oh God, he, he's not on it today." Ever. To be honest. Yeah. Th- there's there's a number. I think there's 
I think a lot of people have forgotten about Thompson, uh, unfortunately, um, just because of his injuries and stuff last season. I think he could be a very, very good player for us. He's not going to be a probably a first name on the team sheet type of player, but I think when he comes in, he's going to give us everything we need. Um, Andy, any thoughts from you, mate, before we move on? Not particularly. I know we saw the Tyrese of old, and that's obviously a massive positive to see, but it shows that there's a lot of work to be done, and that work to be done, obviously, we'll talk about at later dates with more preseason going on. And obviously, we know one or two rumours which are going on, which hopefully strengthen the team as well. Yeah, I suppose one thing we should mention is we we uh, stuck around just to let the traffic die down and stuff. And um, obviously, O'Neill himself came out, and I think someone must have asked him what he thought about the game, and he said, "You know, it's a very young team, but we have a lot of work to do." So. I don't think anyone should think he doesn't understand. He can't see that there's a lot of work to do because quite clearly he's audibly said that to, to the fans that, you know, he understands there's, there's loads of work to do. So, yeah, it's, you know, the, guy, the guy's not blind. I think anyone who's watching that Stoke fan or not, you can tell there's a lot of work to do. So let's let's see how uh, it pans out. But I think, the other, I think the other positive as well to say is there was a hell of a lot of youngsters involved. And you know, some were a little bit more naturally involved at that level than others. But at the same time, I can't think of any of them that you looked at and thought they were massively out of place either. No, I thought, was it Kilkenny and um, a couple of, they looked a bit lightweight, but again, the yeah. young lads, they're going to be like lightweight. Jack, Jack Griffiths looked a bit lightweight to play in the middle, but he is very young. You know, he's only 16 himself and 16, 17. Yeah. Um, I did, I wasn't quite impressed with sort of Emre on a physical point of view. Emre Tescano obviously got on and got some minutes towards the end. Didn't you know didn't massively get involved in that, but when when he did, I thought his hold up play was good and he you know he, he for his, for a lad of sixteen he didn't look like he wasn't physically bullied or anything, was he? He sort of no you know knew how he could, you know, get his use his body to shield the ball and, and bring others into play and Obviously, he's only going to develop that further as he gets older. So, and that was a real positive. And he could have all the ability in the world in in uh, you know underage footballs of all you know, at all different levels. But when you get into senior football, if you physically haven't got it, then he'd struggle. And it seems that's not going to be an issue for him, which for his immediate future is probably quite into, quite a positive for us. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see how it develops. I think this this could be his breakthrough season. Um, it also could be a season where it just isn't quite ready yet, and I think we'll we'll soon see. Um, so okay, that's cool. I think we'll leave the Accrington uh, uh, there in that sense. Now, obviously, we've just been talking about it. Players coming in, it's very clear. I mean, to be fair, we probably need another left wing back to back up Timon realistically a uh, first team left back but let's forget defense right now uh the main obviously attacking prowess we need as we discussed is a target man um if that's the kind of bold you think we should go down um either way we need at least i think two strikers uh i know tyrese is obviously coming back from a long-term injury jacob's great but is he going to be able to do it for the entire season maybe he can um, but I'd say other than that, I think you were saying earlier, Dan, it was like a 16-year-old, 19-year-old, was it 22 or 23 and a 26, I think. Something like that. I can't remember the age so, ranges you so gave. Brown, yeah, Brown's 24, Tyrese is 22, and then I think DiMaggio's 19, 20, and obviously uh, Emre's 16. 
Yeah, I mean, there's. You, you, we, we, I mentioned it just. We need a Fletcher, basically, mm. a younger type of Fletcher. That that's really what what we need. And you know, if we can get that, maybe that's the perfect type of player to play with Tyrese very well. And you know, obviously, we see we saw how well him and him and Fletcher got on last season. So we, we need to focus on that. I mean, a few players that have been mentioned here. So you know, Maja Armstrong a couple of others, but, you know, scatterings of rumour more than anything. I mean, people say, you know, Maja rumour's gone really quiet. Um, do either of you know much about Armstrong? I mean, I've, I've heard, obviously, his goal-scoring record, but I can't say I've really heard much about him other than that. No, he's a typical good championship striker, I think. he's He can score the goals of the championship. He's gone to Southampton, and he's just not really been good enough for Premier League level but he's obviously good enough for the championship so he's one of them that can help you get there but maybe not keep you there in a way but is he is he a target man though because that's that's what was no no he's only about five foot seven there you go so that that's one that's one puzzled about if we're after a target man let's go for a really short guy that makes perfect sense I mean don't worry like I say I'm saying we need more than one striker I think we absolutely do but do we maybe go for I don't know, but again, we, we mentioned Collins, which we're going to come back to, but it's a relevant conversation. So we've obviously just um, got a sign-on fee for Collins, what, four to five million? Um, we've got enough room for me to obviously go and get a, a big target man, you know, a, a big loan kind of you know signing, really, um, and then maybe bring in somebody like an Armstrong or a Major to go alongside. But um, it, do you think it's a bit weird, Dan, how the Major deal's just gone silent all of a sudden? Um, yeah, I think it, it's sort of just fell off the radar, didn't it? It's, it's, it's like I say, silence. There's literally nothing. There's no, we've moved on. There's no, we're still interested. There's no, we're waiting for this to happen or um, Bordeaux waiting for this to happen. It's just nothing at all. Like, oh, he's, he's got these options instead. It's like as if nobody's interested in Josh Magic. <laughs> Josh Magic. Could it be the uh, case, though, that we, we've known about this Collins deal for a bit and we know we're going to get X amount of million? So instead of shoving so. ourselves down, well, we've got to get Magic because he's the cheapest, best option we can find. Maybe now it's OK. Maybe we go back to the A-list now. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you I mean, I'll, I'll turn the question to you, Matt. If you could have two, you say we need two strikers, which like. We've got that money, and now knowing in our budget and what you know, what we can and can't get. Realistically, if you could have two strikers, who would you bring in? Well, I don't. I even think somebody of that that measure Armstrong type mold for for one of them for sure. I still think we need you know we need to keep the pace up front. I think we need that. Mazur um, showed signs of being able to obviously offer us um, some glimpses of of what he can do. Um, so I wouldn't be averse to seeing him, but I mean, I mentioned to you earlier on, and obviously I'm going to throw this name out here and it does not mean I want to sign the guy, but you know, we need an Andy Carroll effectively. You know, we need a a player who can hold the ball up, not get injured every five minutes, obviously we'll, we'll leave that at the door, but we'd need that target man, a crouchy Carroll type player. And let's be honest, there ain't many of them around. There's not many good players of that ilk, is there really? No, I tell you, if I could pick two players to come in, I'd have one younger player. I know we say we need an older player. I've got one young player who I've got who I'd like to see us go for, or at least inquire about to see if they're available on loan. 
And also, I've got your big target man, who I think is probably in our grasp if he's available. So the first, I'd go. I'd ask Tottenham about Dane Scarlett. Okay. He's, he's just been playing with the England under under nineteen. He's been keeping Liam Delap out of that side as well. Um, I think physically he's got a bit more about him than than what we've got so far as well. But he's got a really bright, you know, he's very well thought of at Tottenham. There's absolutely zero chance of us getting him long term. But with the money that Tottenham are throwing around and and what they're you know, going to bring in as well, is he, you know, will they think they can afford to let him go out for the season to get some game time, get regular game time? Hopefully they do. And if they do, I think we should make sure that we are right at the front of the queue for him. Um, I think, you know, if, if we can get him some game time with, Tyrese and Brown and, and Ryan Phillips and that, I think yeah, that'd be fantastic. Um, the other striker, the more experienced one, I would be looking, I'd be on to Bournemouth and seeing if Keith Kiefer Moore is available. I yeah, think no, he's, that's, a, that's a player I've seen banded around in the last couple of weeks. So yeah, Kiefer Moore would be obviously a proven goal scorer, isn't he? Let's, let's face it. Yeah, he's, he's just, you know, he, he went to Bournemouth in January because they knew somebody like that helps you get promoted out of this league. And they did. They went and got on top. And obviously, he'd he done it for years at Cardiff and that. He's obviously done it for Wales. I would say he would be the perfect kind of striker to all of ours could feed off if we brought him in. Interesting. Andy, any particular players come to mind, mate? Not particularly, obviously. Magida, I've liked him. I always have. And we know how good of a player he can be on his day. He was getting match fit game on game towards the end of last season. And a lot of fans have said, well, do you really want to bring him back? Because you've only seen how he can be. Well, he's got pre-season behind him. He's probably going to be a lot better than what we saw of him when he was here. It's just whether that, that deal's still on because we, we don't know what's happening with it anymore. Well, I think it's safe to say, mate, that there'll be strikers and probably attacking midfielders, which I want to ask you about next. So, um, They'll, they'll be coming in the next two weeks. I don't think Stoke can afford not to bring somebody in. Uh, we can't we can't have a bad start. Well, O'Neill cannot have a bad start, let's be honest. So, yeah, I think we'll see some players come in. OK, and obviously, one, one position that, of course, is just as important, um, to be honest, for you than, than a striker um, is a Nick Powell replacement, uh, let's be honest. And we've been asking for one for a while. So, Andy, obviously, I mentioned somebody earlier um, to you as well. Uh, and obviously a player that looks like it's about to be done, uh, and that's obviously Salima. So um, for anyone who's obviously not kind of come across him before, can you give us a bit of an overview of typically what to expect, mate? So he's very skillful. He's um, a, I believe, Kosovan international. Uh, we've seen him play against England uh, when Kosovo have played against him. He played for Swansea, where we've probably seen the most from him in recent times. Like I said, very, very skillful of a player and he's just an exciting player and he's probably coming in, as you know, as a player who can challenge Nick Powell for that attacking midfield role because we haven't really got anyone who's been able to really challenge him. But with the way that Nick Powell gets injured at the moment, which seems to be every other week, it would it's a good player to have in and he's probably, if he can get up to the correct form, will probably play better than Nick Powell. And that's bold for me to say because Nick Powell's one of our favourite players. Yeah, it'd be quite ironic, wouldn't it, if, if 
the guy gets fit, and then by the time he's coming back in, Salim is just just keeping him out of the team. That would be just irony uh, personified, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, maybe you know, right? Phillips could be the man that could slot into that position if that's kind of if they like him in that kind of whole uh, position. Then maybe that's obviously a place for him. But yeah, so we'll see how that that one goes. I think we're just. I think we're all that desperate for an attacking midfielder that we'll take pretty much anyone at this point. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that one pans out. But either way, mate, um, it's good to see that that's going to happen within the next kind of 48 hours by the looks of it. Uh, maybe even stretch into Monday. But, um, yeah, either way, good to see it come in. Uh, now, in terms of outgoings, luckily there isn't many because, quite frankly, we can't let anybody else go. But, obviously, Joe Allen's contract, that saga has come to an end. Again, it's one of those things you either love him or you hate him, I think. And, I mean, I think all of us, from conversations that we've had, and anyone who's listened regularly will know that we would rather have kept Joe, yeah, at a reduced salary, but we'd rather have kept him than not. So I think we'll soon see uh, how the team will be impacted by not having a Joe Allen. Um in terms of another player mentioned, Josh Tymon again came up. I think the rumor it just it doesn't seem to go away. Um, I think it was what was it Rangers and Leeds this time who have been and rumored. And also came in for him as well. Norwich apparently. I mean, six million quid. I've always said look, you can't let him go. I think if we had a ten million bid, we can't let him go. Now we understand financially, you know that would be an attractive deal for the club. But at the same time, if you think about the upheaval. He's integral to our play. Think of the upheaval that would make. We've then got to go and find two strikers, two left backs, potentially another right wing back. You know, that's five players with two weeks to go to the start of the season. It's not just about the financial impact there for me. It's about the impact to the system, to everything. Um, and I really don't think we can afford to that time and go for any amount. If 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 he's that good and they still think he's that good, then in January, come and sign him and spend another, you know, spend your 10, 12 million, whatever it is. Um, but we, we can't be doing that deal before January. Absolutely not. Um, I don't think there's any other rumours in terms of, you know, people going out. Like, like I said, you know, we obviously we're going to, we're going to receive four to five million with the Collins deal. And there was a lot of confusion, really, whether it was percentage of the sale or, um, yeah, sorry, the profit or what was the potential of the kind of overall value of the deal. So it was totally the deal. So I do obviously fully expect Stoke to get, um, you know, the four to five million mentioned. And as I've already mentioned, really, I want to see either two young championship proven, you know, players, either a striker, midfielder or two big ticket loans from the Premier League. We, we need we need we need that position, as we said. So um that's pretty much it in terms of transfer business. Now, there's not a lot more news unless you think I've missed anything off here, but I'm pretty sure that's all there was uh, for the last week. Now, um, in more positive news, actually, uh, there's been a couple of releases from the club this week about some things that they're doing, uh, which I think overall can only go down well. So, Andy, um, the new sports bar, as it's being called, um, we've had obviously discussions about what we thought but it this is more than just a lick of paint in it i mean it, they're spending about two and a half million um, on this new sports bar and if anybody hasn't seen the pictures you know go to the stoke city website check them out you know they're they are they say it looks like pictures but they're actually digital pictures they're not pictures taken in the thing but it looks amazing 
So, yeah, as I said, it's more than just a lick of paint. It's a complete overhaul. Um, it's just a really nice modern space. And quite ironically, it's the type of place you'd expect a Premier League team to have. And all of a sudden we're in the championship and we've got probably a Premier League bar. Quite quite unusual, really, don't you think? Yeah, it's a bit unusual, but obviously the owners know where the club is meant to be. Like With our relegation, we had however long ago it is now is it like our fifth season the championship it, the relegation came as a bit of a shock to quite a lot of fans and obviously we're expected to go straight back up and we've been down championship now like i've said for five seasons it's coming up to so it's probably one of those things where obviously the development of the stadiums over the next five years maybe the first point of the development is the things that the fans can use just in case you know the promotion happens before the owners expect it as well as that, we've seen the images, like you've said, and it it looks top quality. It's probably, like you said, Premier League quality, and you don't see typically many what you'd say sports bars at football grounds. You normally see them at the pubs around the ground and at restaurants and things like that. But I, I believe you mentioned it's where Delilah's Bar was, wasn't it? And yeah, the, it's replacing Delilah's Bar. Yeah, yeah, and Delilah's Bar was all right. It wasn't the best. It it got the job done, but this seems like it's something that's pro- may, might even be open before, you know, how Delilah's was. Delilah's open, was it like an hour before kickoff or an, two hours before? This could be open, you know, three or four hours because if you've got a three o'clock kickoff, people could be wanting to get their lunch there and it could even open for longer after kickoff. And if it's open before away traveling as well, so that people can get some food or drinking, it could help the club out a lot as well financially. Well, obviously, let's let's be honest. You know, Simon King's mantra coming in is to make us commercially a, a even more profitable business th- than we are. Because I think off off, if I remember rightly, I think some of the stats said off the pitch. You know, we're we're highest in the league for for revenue, which surprised me a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I think he will spot those opportunities if there's evening games. You know, obviously the World Cup's coming up. You know, maybe they will open it up as a sports bar that is just happens to be inside Stoke Stadium um, and well, they can open it up the and it'll be used seven days a week. Better, yeah. It, it maybe somewhere so. else to watch it because normally everywhere's so packed and, you know, it might challenge Harvester for the World Cup this year. Well, mate, that's it. If you, you know, Let's be honest, if you are, if offer Stoke fans the Harvester or, you know, a brand new sports bar in their, in their own, own ground, I mean, I know which one I'd choose. So yeah, it's it's a good chance for the club to make some money. So, yeah, re- really, really happy about that. Um, Dan, one other thing that was mentioned, mate, um, this week. Now, obviously, Stoke have announced a ticket offer, which I'm absolutely over the moon about. £10 adults, £5 kids for the Blackpool game. Now, obviously, this for me is all about getting people in the door. I think it's a good idea to get people in. I mean, hopefully, you know, again, I, I talk about this, and that was the whole point that I wanted on the supporters' council to try and get more for like kids and ticket initiatives and stuff like that. And, you know, kids are obviously the future. I know it's a bit of a cheesy line to come out with, but you know, my son that I take with me, you need to get them hooked because they're the ones who are going to be paying for this in the future. And, you know, I think Simon King knows he's come in. He needs to look good to the club, look good to the fans. He needs to get revenue up, deals with ticketing. So he knows that stuff like this is going to help. And I've said a thousand times, if you get people in the door for you know for cheaper tickets than you actually can, and I know you can't do it every week, but if you get it 
in more than often than not, then what you're going to have is kids and families turning up, spending more money than they probably would because they're going to buy food, drink, merchandise from the club shop. It's going to actually have a what I like to call um, like indirect impact, if you like. Um, so, I mean, Dan, it, it can only be a good thing, surely, this, can't it? I know some people have criticised the club saying they think, oh, season ticket sales must be low, which is absolutely not the case. But it's a bit, I don't know, it can't be a bad thing, can it? Well, you don't make a penny off an empty season. No. And, I, and there's plenty of, let's be honest, mate, there's plenty of them around last season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the season ticket holders weren't turning up for the majority of the games, really, second half of last season. And I think it's funny how they say about season tickets as well, because this, you know, there was a comment from Josh, the ticket office manager. I think I'm sure there was a tweet someone re- that uh, you know, resurfaced the other day where he'd said that we were likely to start the season with more season ticket holders than we got the previous season. So we're obviously not as if there's been a massive drop in them. They're expecting it to be more. And that was only like a couple of weeks ago as well. So, yeah, it sounds, uh, like I say, I think it's, it's good to have initiatives like that. You've you got to get kids in. Like I say, a kid has to come with an adult. Uh, whilst a kid there, they want, to, they want to, you know, they want to burger, they want to drink. They want to, you know, basically, it, it's a day out to them, isn't it? They want to have a look what's yeah. in the club shop all of a sudden, you know. Your mum and dad, if they can afford it, have you know, have splashed out on a on a, a kit, you know, with the name on the back, a burger, you know, a bottle of coke, portion of chips, and away you go. It's, let's be honest, it's not exactly cheap and for that no. stuff either, is it? I mean, Christ, no. I can't remember how much it was, but I think it was like eight or ten quid for a hot dog and a bloody drink or something like that. So. You know, it that money adds up. I took Josh back to back games last season. I, I wanted to take him along, and um, I'm I think I must have spent the best part of seventy quid in that month. That was seventy quid they would not have got from me if I hadn't been taking my boy around because I would not buy that food. It was my idiot self who didn't decide to buy food and drink before I went in. But again, how many circumstances like that is there going to be every week? So yeah, it, I think it's yeah, an obvious commercial decision. Yeah, and obviously, you know, a lot of times when. Especially if it's the first game and that, as, as an adult, usually you know you, you do tend to to eat while you're there and that because it's part of the experience, isn't it? When you first, you know, if you're going very rarely or or if it's your first match for the child or whatever. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, man. But it makes me think what the you know what all season ticket holders must think when they see like ten pound offers and stuff. I know they've got a good deal on the season ticket prices, but as as you know, season ticket holders, I mean. What what do you two think about the whole offers when they go on? Does it bother you that people can get in for a tenner? No, not at all. More the merrier. So get this. Get the um, you know, at the end of the day, I saw I've secured my seat for the season for the price I paid. If others can come in and have six, seven, eight games where it's ten quid from getting, yeah, fair play to them. You know, I know my seat secure, and obviously I paid for that privilege. So, like I say, other people, you know, especially at the minute, so the times are hard. Stoke on Trent's always hit hard anyway, and you know the cost of living that's you know flying through the roof, and you know it seems to only be going one way, getting worse and worse. Then I think you, you've got to be able to encourage people coming. You've got to give them financial, um, you know, incentives to come in. 
Um, and one final thing I wanted to mention, because we've had a lot of questions come in from different supporters this last week, which we'll get on to. But I think we'd be stupid not to mention the the uh, the YouTube uh, media. And I tell you what, hats off to the media guys. They've absolutely nailed it this preseason. The whole kind of laugh or no laugh or whatever it was called, um, you know, tie in and obviously Tymon, Baker, Lawrence, Fielding, Flint was different. Uh, I haven't seen the Burst and Brown one, if I'm honest with you yet. I'd say the time and Tyrese one was, was very funny. Baker and Lawrence was just like next level. Uh, it, it was just, I've never actually laughed at a Stoke video before, I don't think. Uh, just crazy. But uh, one of the things I'll, I'll let you two give your pins on this in a sec fielding and flint my god was that one of the most boring videos i've seen in a while only because i they just look too boring characters on, on the screen i'm sure they aren't like that really but oh i don't know it was painful you could just tell it was painful for all, everyone involved yeah they were they were a bit miserable weren't they i, 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 I wouldn't have liked they, to they see were, three of them i, I wouldn't have really liked to, you know adding a jagielka in there it would have been even worse I think they were just ultra competitive. You will not beat me. You will not make me laugh. <laughs> that was like. And then you look uh, at a Lauren Baker one. Oh, oh God. Bake, Bacon knew quite quickly he had Josh Lauren on toast. He could, he, he could make him laugh at will just by looking and laughing at him. And, I think uh, we should rewatch that tonight. Yeah, he was just. See if we can do it. He, he was just like, look, like, say, look. He knew that no matter what he did, all he had to do was just laugh at laugh at Josh, and uh, and he was he just burst out laughing himself. Um, but yeah, it was great. Like like you said, Mike, um, a real credit to the to media department because they've done a, a great job there with them videos. They've uh, it's a great insight into the team spirit as well, and something that I think we've probably been lacking for. Uh, you know, it's, it seems to be coming right back in now as well, and. The group yeah. seems to be really together as one. Yeah, re- really good characters again, mate. Which is which is brilliant. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure Flint has smiled at least once in his life, anyway. Probably when he signed the contract, no doubt. Um, but yeah, I'm sure they're not as miserable as they come across. Um, anyway, let's move swiftly on. Uh, so yeah, fans' questions. Now, I'll be honest with you guys, we had a ridiculous amount in. Uh, we had tons and tons. And I'm sorry if anyone has asked questions and we don't cover it off. It's basically purely because there was more Stoke news than we actually expected to come through. It all came through at once and nobody wants to listen to a two hour podcast, especially with us three. So in terms of fans questions, so the uh, Lord lack of purpose, which I think is a great name. Um, so this is a question for Dan and Andy, uh, which formation, assuming we get another striker would Michael O'Neill go for? I think it depends on personnel. I think we'll probably interchange. I can see him going for a 4-3-3 with a big target man down the middle and having Brown and Campbell on either side. Uh, or even if we haven't got... I can see maybe Wright Phillips playing down the middle as maybe like a false nine where he's coming in, you know, coming deep to collect the ball and dragging defenders out, leaving space for Brown and Campbell running to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can also see us going 5-3-2 where... One of the midfielders then will sort of push in and try and help feed the strikers. Um, we'll use the wing backs, Clark and Timon, to get forwards. Um, and then obviously, yeah, you've got your two forwards there, so two from whoever. 
I think it'll be an interchanging one. Personally, I think yeah. the majority, the one that we're more likely to see, if you had to pick one, I think you'd probably more likely say five three two. Yeah, I think that'll be his go-to wherever he can mm-hmm. get away with it. I mean, Andy, would you disagree with any of that, mate? Would you think he's going to go for a, a another particular formation? No, I don't think he'll really change anything with his formations. Obviously, he has quite a few systems he used last season, and I feel like it will be pretty much the same. Depends on obviously the opposition we play. Um, he obviously likes his five-three-two or three-five-two. Depends on how high up he wants to play the wing backs. He also experimented with a three-one-four-two last season against Blackburn towards the end of the season, which I thought played really, really well. So I feel like his three-one. Four two could be his go-to formation, and no doubt will depend on these attacking players we bring in. I think that will that will shape it in a way. Um, and he's also asked, and also Rory asked this as well. Uh, obviously, Nick Powell's injured again, as we know very well. Um, and this is what I want to ask you about now, Dan: Is Nick Powell an asset or a liability? I'm going to say a bit of both. I think he's a liability. For the majority i think he's a great asset when he comes in when he comes in he's he's one of the best players in the league i think most teams would snap our hands off for him my problem with nick powell is he he just can't stay fit i think everyone knows that and i'm at that point where if he comes back after this next couple of months gets himself fit gets back in the team or even doesn't manage to get back in the team and gets injured again, then he's done for me. He's uh, he's got to question his own abilities to stay fit and and play the professional game anymore because he can't keep getting injured time after time after time. And in, in that scenario, I'm glad we've only given him a one year contract because right now, if I'm offered, if we're thinking about offering a two or three year deal, I would say the club would be a little bit nervous about that now. So for me. He's a bit of both, but currently a liability, if I had to choose one. I just think that players of his quality and his the way he can see the game and the way you know, he can create, especially in our, with our squad and what we're sort of lacking severely in that, I just think if you can get a player of it like who can do all that, then you just don't let them go in this league. You do everything you can to to keep hold of them and, and, and keep them fit and, and get them fit. If he only plays 12 games a season, he potentially, he's got the ability to win you six of them on his own. Jeremy, you know I mean? he can provide the difference to win six games. If he turns six draws into wins, that's 12 points. Now, look how tight this league ends. 12 points makes a lot of difference. Do it. Yeah, yeah that, like I say, that's, that's where I'm saying. That's where the my half-and-half half asset and liability comes in. Mm. I, I'm agreeing with you, really. I'm just yeah. saying... It is frustrating more than anything. I, I, I assume nobody's more frustrated than him. There is yeah. always yeah. keeps picking up these injuries. But I think, that, I think that's what it is. It's like, it's, it's knowing you've got this talent and not being able to use it. And that's what really sort of, like, where the frustration comes from. But I think, like... But like I say, even if he can play, if you can get him fit for a third or half the games, like, you know, 15 to 25 games a season, you should, you know, you could well be getting up towards the playoffs with what he can give you in that time. 
Okay, fair enough. No problem. Interesting. <laughs> I think I think we kind of both agree with each other. We've just I think we've just got slightly different um, angles to come at it on. So that's fine. We'll uh, we'll we'll agree that we kind of agree and also kind of disagree with each other. So that's fine. Um, okay, next one. So uh, the Gallimore asks and I'll ask you uh, this one, Andy. Um, the cost of living crisis, obviously, is something we, we're all facing in some capacity. I don't think anyone, unless you're rich, is really immune to it. Um, so, obviously, this week, I've seen Fulham charge £100 for a match day ticket in one of the stands. Reading, however, have offered £20 uh, reciprocating uh, away uh, costings for, obviously, away fans. And they've gone to every single club in the division and said, will you match it? I think three or four have. I don't can't say I've heard of any more going into it. But Andy, is this probably a bit of a stupid question? Should Stoke accept their invite? Well, we've spoke about it before on and off the podcast, same that same old saying we've said. Twenty is plenty and it for a football game, as much as club wants to make a club wants to make profit, if you get more people buying the tickets for twenty than you would without, you're making more money. And I'd much rather go to a game and see more bums on seats than worrying about a few extra quid. And obviously it'd be great if the every club did it, but Fulham with their ticket prices, we we, we discussed it and we were like, if if you do with the 20 quid, they're charging five games worth for 90 minutes of football. It's It's ridiculous for even Fulham fans, they probably even think it's expensive. Yeah, even London prices. I mean, no football match should be a hundred quid. No football match. No, I know I'm it's sorry, six if, quid if, for a pint, but hundred quid for a match. I mean, if you genuinely said to me, right, Stoke, we're going to the FA Cup final. It's a hundred pound a ticket. It's going to cost you fifty quid to get there. Food and drink, two hundred quid. It's going to cost you to go to the FA Cup final. No thanks. Sorry, no. It's, it's down to principle. Yeah, I would have wished. I'd love to have been there. Win or lose, I've been there already. You know, it, it was a great time. But to justify 200 quid on a football match, um, I remember like, I can't remember what it was now. I think when Vale went to Wembley and obviously won the playoff and all that business, um, I think their tickets were about 50-odd quid. You know, the kind of days off from work, all that business. It's an expensive bloody day for anyone. Yeah, I think so, when I went too down... Much. When I went down with obviously the Mansfield end, I think my ticket was thirty-eight quid. But then you add the travel on top of that, it does eventually total up, and still that day out was cheaper than what it would be for a Fulham ticket, hundred quid. And don't forget, mate, that's for that's for an adult. If you want to take your son and daughter with you, or your wife, your son and your daughter, it's a four five hundred pound day. This is what I mean, like you're pricing people out. So good on Reading for doing it. I fully expect Stoke to accept their offer. I would be shocked if they don't, because I'm at the minute anyway, yeah, we're only charging people 25 quid anyway for that game. It'll be 25, well, 26 quid with your, with your booking fee, of course. Um, but either way, 26 quid. So again, good PR, easy win for Simon to, to, come, to come across well. You know, do something for the fans. I know it's for the away fans, but still, you know, our fans will still benefit on the on the opposite end. It's it's a no brainer for me. It really is. So, yeah, I'd like. In fact, I'd like. I'd go one further. I'd like to see us 
accept Reading's offer and then also reciprocate the offer ourselves to the rest of the clubs in the Championship to say, yeah, does anybody yeah. else want to, you know, we're, we're willing to do this with anybody else as well. Yeah, too right, mate. Um, I mean, I know, I think the Premier League have got £30 maximum, haven't they? Uh, they, they're, they're allowed to charge now, I think, for away fans, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah. So I think 20 quid, I think, is is perfectly reasonable for the Championship, especially now when the world's going to absolute pot. Um, great, OK, lovely. And then one uh, final question uh, for fans' questions. So Ton, so T-O-N, asks on Twitter, so uh, what are our expectations of those players coming back from injury, such as Tyrese and Harry? Um, Andy, start with you, mate. Um, Tyrese and Harry, Suter, what are you expecting from them this season? I assume the first answer is to stay fit. <laughs> but secondly, you know, what are your expectations from a, a season's play, goals, etc.? Well, it's obviously rather than Harry Sutar having the preseason behind him this year, it's Tyrese. And we've seen him play tonight and he was probably the best we've seen him. He looked a lot quicker, he looked stronger. You mentioned that he looked leaner and he was a lot more explosive and just seemed to be a completely, you know, better player than what we've seen him. Do obviously he was unlucky not to really get a chance in the game, but when he was building up the playoff after he came off the bench, he was brilliant. Harry Sutar, we know he's a strong, strong centre back, but an ACL injury can do a lot to a player, and you know he might not see the Harry that we know for quite a while, and an ACL injury can ruin careers. But we know he's a strong player. We know that he's quite mentally strong as well, and and I think that's why Stoke don't want to rush him back. Because if you if you rush someone who's had an injury as bad as he has, and then he gets injured again, you can probably wave goodbye to having a good career in the game. And if I'm not mistaken, I swear I saw something the other day saying that um, he is a couple of months away yet. So again, he's not going to be yeah. rushed back by the sounds of it anyway, which is definitely the right thing to do. I think the original plan was middle of November, so around about when he got injured, but they've managed to bring that closer to, I think it was middle of September, end of August, which I think the end of August plan is for him to start back in the training like properly. And then middle to end of September is when he's going to start getting back into the team. Yeah, the whole under 21s um, maybe is the place for him to start and build his way up. Yeah, that's probably probably the best option. You don't want to chuck him straight into a physically demanding league like the Championship. For him to get injured again because we've seen what's happened with Nick Powell when he's come back yeah. two or three games later, he's back on the treatment table. Yeah. Um, Dan, anything to add, mate? I think it's fairly fair enough what Andy said there, really. Yeah, I think I think that's the reason Aidan Flint's been brought in. I think probably came back to the start of pre-season, they looked at where he was and how far off he probably was from playing and thought, okay, we don't want to fall into the trap of having to push you beyond where you physically should be at um, because we haven't got other options. And I think that's why they've gone out and brought Flint in. And I think Flint, in the long term, will probably be Sutar's understudy. Yeah. Sort of just, you know, be be there number two, you know, if Sutar's not playing or if we're playing a particularly physical side, we can play them both together. Um, But yeah, I think with these serious ACL type injuries they do seem to be like two year injuries don't they there's a year of recovery and then like there's this, the year of like on pitch recovery if you like which sort of Tyrese went through 
last season, didn't he? Where he wasn't, you know, he wasn't he, he wasn't at his sharpest or didn't seem to be at his most fluent. You know, when he you know when he came back, and like Andy said, he's look he, tonight. He looked a lot more, uh, like I say, leaner, fitter, sharper. He was uh, creative as well with, you know, and, and looked a lot more confident. Uh, like I say, I think this that's sort of the end of his two sort of two year cycle of physically getting over the injury and then sort of you know performance wise then getting back in set in that second sort of period. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. I I, I reckon these guys are going to stay fit. I think I've got every confidence. Neither yeah. of them have, have been rushed back. As we said, Tyrese looks fit as a fiddle. So. Yeah, I think you will have cool. a big season. I think Tyrese will have a big season. And Suter, a bit like Tyrese last year, probably just don't expect too much. I'd say no. Don't expect him to be the Harry Suter that he was last season. Again, it might be. It we may have to wait until August next year to fully see him back to them kind of levels. And arguably, mate, you could say that you know, just look back at Ryan Shawcross. Like, he came back, and I know Ryan, I've said it before, is a bit old. Well, he was a lot older, um, really, when he started getting his injuries. But he never really recovered. And I think part of that is because, again, we, at the time, we had to kind of rush him back um, as well. So it doesn't seem to benefit anybody by doing that. So, yeah, let, let, let's see how things pan out. Um, either way, it's 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 a positive thing. So uh, good to see him back again. Um pretty much it in terms of any questions now one thing we have mentioned if you've been following us on uh twitter or even um facebook to be honest so uh we've got to have two things this season uh fantasy football and also super six so um now the fantasy football is a championship version of fantasy football um dan do you want to just give a bit of an overview mate what it is website maybe where anyone can find any details in case they want to get involved yeah so we put the link on twitter uh, for anybody who sort of follows on there and has seen it uh, but it's, it's with a company called gaffer so gaffer but without the e so g-a-double-f-r dot i-o is the website so that's where you find it i, I don't think there's there's an app for it as, as of yet um, but yeah, it's yeah, so it's gaffer.io, G-A-F-F-R dot I-O. Um, if you want the sort of the link to get into our sort of season, our season, sorry, our our league, sorry, um, then we have posted that on Twitter and it also you'll probably find it in the notes to this podcast. We'll stick it in there as well for anybody who wants to join our league. Um, but yeah, it's Works the same as Premier League fantasy football. I think you get like £100 million and then you, you basically got to pick your squad. Maximum three players from each side. Um, points of all the same things as you do for, like I say, Premier League fantasy football. Uh, but it's more sort of for us because it's championship. So it's the players that we sort of see every week, week in, week out. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a bit, little bit different to the norm. And, uh, yeah, something that's been growing. I think they're in like their third or fourth season now. It's something that's that's sort of growing. So, yeah, uh, we're looking forward to sort of getting involved and going head-to-head with all you guys. Yeah, it should be interesting. And obviously what we're going to do is that every week we're going to be having, you know, 
looking at the tables, seeing who's kind of maybe got maximum points that week, etc. So we'll, we'll definitely make it a, a mini feature of the pod. Um, and like I mentioned, Super Six is something that I've wanted to do for uh, a while. It, I must admit, I'm one of them people who I'm sure people listen to this do it all the time. I start fantasy teams up after a month, just forget about it. So uh, what we want to try and do for the people who are really dedicated, and there's a lot of them out there, you've got your fantasy football, but you'll also have a Super 6. So again, nothing's on there just yet because Super 6 isn't actually open. But when it opens, we'll put on to the normal channels. So again, if you haven't followed us already, Facebook, just literally Google every step along the way. You'll see the group on there. Just join the group and you'll get notified. Uh, And then Twitter, obviously, every step along on Twitter. Um, So we'll put everything out on there. We'll do another reminder of everything. So towards the top of the feed. Um, before the start of the season as well so so for everyone to try and get involved in and you know maybe win some money and and stuff off the back of it so um yeah so that's it for those kind of um announcements again just for anyone just want to reiterate anyone who's missed any announcements previously uh again we are making this podcast two pods we thought about this a long time ago um you know and we fully expect to be doing two pods now that is basically your normal Friday pod, 7 a.m. goes live, well, 6.30 to 7 a.m. it'll go in live. Um, and then uh, what we'll also be doing is if we've got a midweek game, we'll be recording on a Sunday for release on a Monday. So that way you'll you'll basically get our thoughts on the previous game quicker. You'll get the preview on the midweek game, um, and then you'll still get your normal pod anyway. So um, two pods in a week, if you can stand listening to us for that long, then please do. Um, and not really an announcement, but let's just say keep an eye on the social media channels. We're absolutely over the moon about an upcoming interview that's going to be taking place. Um, like really, really chuffed, and I know that every single Stoke fan's going to want to listen to it. So, um, just so you know, there's going to be some teasers arriving. Uh, teaser one um, is going to be arriving very soon, so within the next kind of week. Uh, teaser two will arrive the day after and then the reveal will take place the day after that so like like a friday saturday sunday situation um so it's a bit of fun we're teasing it just have a bit of fun with it really um so yeah i'm sure everyone's going to really enjoy that um that is about it uh, so we try not to be too long on this particular part because again it is now also 10 to 2 in the morning so um dan andy any final thoughts at all that you want to do before we uh, we break up for the night Excuse me, I've got a quiz here. I've oh, you wanted a bloody quiz, didn't you? Oh, I forgot okay. about this. Yeah, I did. Well, I we'll forgot, it for the <laughs> Now, Andy's been bitching this week because his number on his shirt has been changed. And to Jacob Brown, uh, he com- combined his two numbers, one and eight, and went with number nine. We said I should is, put a plug on it, didn't we? Which is a story for another podcast. That shirt is cursed. We'll go through that in the next pod. Um, yeah, my statistic sheets that I've been doing, and I put them there on Facebook and Twitter. If anyone wants to have a look at them, the records and stuff. If you're a little saddo like me and you like your numbers and your stats, <laughs> um, but I've actually the latest one I've done is all on shirt numbers. Okay. So that's what the quiz is about. Something topical, aren't we? Shirt numbers have come out. You know, Lewis Baker's gone from forty-two to eight. Jacob Brown's gone from eighteen to nine. Uh, there's been a few others. Obviously, the young lads have all got the new lads have all got their shirts. So this quiz is all about shirt numbers. So they were 
They were brought in for Stoke in 1999-2000 season. Okay? Okay. So, question, are you ready? There's eight questions. Okay. (laughs) We're a bit nervous, as you can tell. (laughs) Yes. So, some of these, you're probably not going to even, you know, but you may take an educated guess or, you know, just have a bit of thinking. Number one, which squad number has had the most appearances since this squad number system was introduced in 1999? Well, is this me versus Andy or are we together on this? You are together on this. Well, Andy, I mean, number one, surely, yeah? Goalkeeper, Goalkeeper number one. I mean, got to be. I mean, I know you sometimes get number really? 33s and random numbers, but it's the most common like number. 47 or something, isn't it? No, I think number one's your safe stock. You've obviously Let's got go number, number one. one. We'll play safe. Yeah. We've got number like a nine or a ten. Okay, so, so num- number one. N- number one in all those seasons are the 682 appearances. That puts it in fourth position. Okay. So, number six has 704. You've got to think there's a lot of Glenn Whelan appearances in there, aren't there? Number nine has had 750 appearances. And the winner with 841 is number 17. Such a really? random number. Because everyone used to wear 17. 1 to 10, 1 to 11, didn't they? Yeah. And then you obviously change it, but that's... So, unusual. yes, since the squad numbers, and we'll come to... Uh, th- there is another question, which... Obviously, sure, that's 17, didn't he? So. so, number two, which number has had the most goals scored? God, these are good questions. So you've probably got two. You've probably got a choice of two, haven't you? I'd say. Because I'm thinking, what number was Peter Thorne? Because he scored a lot of goals. Then I'm thinking, if he's the same as Ricardo Fuller, for example, then... Number 10. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, it probably has to be, because normally your first choice striker gets number 10. Or Ricardo number be nine. number 10, hasn't he? Yeah, let's go with um, 10. I think 10's your best option, though. Okay, good. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, we'll go 10. Go 10. Okay, so I'll tell you now the top four. Number 25 has 93 goals. Number 19 has 97. The top two are 9 and 10. Oh, here we go. One has 126, one has 165. Number 9 has 165 <gasps> goals. Number 10 has 126. Thank you. So number nine was the winner. Yeah, and you know why? If, you know what you just said that Peter Thorne wasn't number na- uh, number ten. He was number, number nine. nine. Number nine. Yeah. Number nine. Yeah. Oh bloody hell! Okay. Since, <laughs> since him, there's not been the greatest record for number nines. No. Um. So right, which number in one to eleven has had the least appearances? Well, number two so, is normally right back. So the the low numbers. I'm thinking like maybe an eight. What? No, I'm not thinking eight. No. 
Is it the lowest number of appearances for any kit number? So of numbers one to eleven. Okay. Which number is a the least amount of appearances for like Stoke since nineteen ninety nine? Well, who's worn number eleven in recent years? Arn Artovic, was he? Or was he number ten? He was number eleven. Um, Asaidi had eleven. I'll tell you, Mark Arnautovic was number ten. I'll tell yeah, you. Number 10. I said it's like leave me alone. Uh, Asaidi, he's really the only one who comes to mind for me. It, it's that late. It could be considered early, Andy. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna say eleven, but yeah. So I can't think of anything else. Eleven, yeah. So number eight had five hundred and twenty-two appearances. Number two had five hundred and twelve, and number eleven had a mere four hundred and four. No way, any numbers. So, yeah, it was like, you look at the recent number 11s and you've got James McLean, he played a few games, but you've got Alfie Doughty last season, Hesse, uh, Hosselu, Brett Shea, and then obviously you've got Mama Sidibe, uh Kevin Harper, Neil Cutler, uh, not Neil Cutler, sorry, let's skip down a level, Peter Hoopstra, sorry, he was wearing, and David Oldfield. Hmm. So, oh, yes, there's a few there who didn't play, and then the ones who you would want to play were always injured. Like <laughs> um, so, which is the high squad number ever used by a Stoke player? Well, it's easy to go 99 or something, isn't it? But, um, yeah, it's that easy. It was worn once, it was worn once, and it was during our uh, final season in the Premier League. About 101 of me, yet, but I don't think you're allowed to do that. God. No, you can't. I think it might, that might have no, been yeah, a yeah. centennial special shirt, I think, that we were given. Bloody hell. I'm thinking, God. like, going to the 50s. Just pick a number, mate. Yeah. 55. Flipping clue. Lasse Sorensen. Yes, it was Lasse Sorensen. Well 55. done. I know Edward, Edward's had 42. Yeah. And I'm thinking, obviously, it went into the 50s and Sorensen played once, didn't he? Yes. So was he, he like had... against Bournemouth on the last day or something? Yeah. It, no, it was against Swansea last day. Swansea last game of the season. It was indeed. And he uh, assisted, no... didn't he? So, <laughs> yeah, he was like the of the match. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then so you he, got really he got 55. And then le- next, um, next highest was Connor Taylor. Got number 50. And then Rabbi Matondo, number 49. Yeah. So, yes, moving on. Uh, so, question number five. 27 has had the most different people wear the shirt. So, 18 different players have had number 27. Can you name me three of those players? Wow. God. Um... And you can't have this season's because it's vacant. Nobody's got it. Because <laughs> you've got 25 of Powell, then it doesn't start from until 28. And um, Will, Forrest, Will Forrest is 26. Oh, yeah, Will Forrest has 26, do Um, Did Sobey wear 27? I think, I do think Sobey wore 27. You're going with Ramadan Sobey as one, are you? 
Yeah, I think so. Unfortunately, no, he did not. What number did Serbia have? Was it? I know it was twenty something. Was it twenty three? So rather than Sobi, or let me find him on my big sheet of. Oh, oh, Bojan. Oh yeah, of course. Yes, Bojan. yes, he was. Yes, exactly. So all that period of Sobi and that it was worn by, uh, like say, worn by Bojan. But hey, there's one. <laughs> Give us another three hours. We'll get the next. That's fabulous. So you've got 17 other players yeah, yeah. to go at. <laughs> 17. It sounds so easy. That's the problem. Oh, I know the next one now. I know go the on. next one. Go Obviously. On. I, um... Throw a name out. I'll tell you if you're out or not. He was 32, Ramadan was. See, the, the two players that come to my mind, and I, uh, we had Etebo and Endai. I can't. Seema last season. Oh, Seema. Seema, Dan. Seema's one. Bojan's one. And Endai or Etebo, one of them did. You're right. Well, Etebo might have come in to be a, a, a third. More of a first team than die at the time. So let's go and die. went to. But it's where he played like number eight or something. Yeah, he played number eight for a bit. Okay, let's so go, go and die. It was, yes. Badu and die. Oosh. 27. So yeah, so you've got your three Seema, Indai, and Bojan. They are the last three to do it. So that's question five. Well done. You got what you got that one right. So you've got three in a row now. You're all full steam ahead here. Only three players have worn number 17. So it's all those appearances, 841. Only three players have worn it. Can you name those players? Sure, of course. That is one. Who are the other two? Sergei Stanyuk? No. Andy Side? Nope. The problem is it's also vacant this season. The other two players were both central midfielders, I'll tell you that. So obviously you think you think obviously before Shawcross, so you're looking before two thousand and what eight? Two thousand and seven? Do you want to pass? Yeah, pass. Yeah, Daryl Russell. Uh, and James O'Connor. James O'Connor. Yeah, maybe with a bit more time, I might have got the James O'Connor. I wouldn't have got Daryl Russell. So, uh, number seven. Uh, in 2004-05, three loanees all wore the same number during that season. So, Chris Barker on loan from Cardiff, Jason Jarrett on loan from Wigan, and Kenwyn Jones on loan from Southampton all wore the same shirt number during that season. But what number was it? I feel like having a laugh, considering you said you didn't want to name the players and get number 27. I feel like you're hiding it because of this. What do you say, you Mike? Go for it, mate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 27? Mm-hmm. Correct. <laughs> well, yes. I knew you were being cheeky like that. <laughs> so that's the only instance where the same shirt's been worn by, the same, by three different players in one season. I know we've had Ostergaard and Jagielka do it twice, but the other players in twenty seven. 
Yeah. So we had one loanee sent him back, had another loanee sent him back, and then Jones finished the season with us. Uh, so question eight. So you've got four out of seven, so you're doing quite well, to be honest. So far. Marks at least. Yeah. So eight and final question. Andy Wilkinson, number 28, and Ryan Shawcross, number 17, held their shirt numbers for the longest periods of time in Stokes history. But who had it longer? One had it for 13 seasons and the other one had it for 14. But which was or which? So it's a one season difference. Yes. Which one of them held their number for 14 seasons and which one held it for 13? Well, when did Shawcross join? 2007-8? Because he's not on about appearances here. He's on about time. Yeah, because Shawcross left. 21, didn't he? 21, 21. I'm going to say Wilco, mate. I think he yeah. was here longer. Wilco. Wilco? Yeah. Now, Andy Wilkinson was number 28 for 13 seasons. Ryan Shawcross had the number 17 for 14 seasons. Wow. So, yeah. In fact, you know, what's, it would have been tied, but Andy Wilkinson made his debut in 2001 as a 17-year-old, and then he spent the next season out on loan, so his number was given to Mark Crossley. <laughs> and then he returned the following season and took 28 on for another 12 years. So if he hadn't gone out on loan that season and been given 28, they would have been level on 14 years apiece. Yeah, nice. So, yes. Oh, so, I think I don't think that's a bad score. I think four out of eight, you've done very well there. Well Especially done. Especially the time that we're at. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Yes. Eight minutes past two. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's pretty much it then, Dan. Unless you've got any more questions you want to throw at us. No, it's eight minutes past two, no. No. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Well, anyway, we're going to try and all uh, go cuddle up in the bed now. Um, tops and tails and all that business. So uh, we'll look forward to that. We'll let you look forward to imagining that, which nobody deserves to do. And, uh, yeah, just keep an eye online. Like I said, we've got some stuff coming up. So look forward to seeing that. And we'll catch you all um, very much very soon. All right, boys. Thank you. All right, see you in a bit. Get me blanket ready. See you in a bit. <laughs> the TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around, to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.